1: welcome to another live edition of What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley. With me tonight is Father William Jenkins. He is a traditional Catholic priest of the Society of St. Pius V, and he serves as the pastor of Immaculate Conception Church right here in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. How are you?
0: Very fine, Tom. Thank you. Yourself?
1: Not too bad, Father. Blessed Christmas to you.
0: Well, I wish you a blessed Christmas season and a wonderful coming new year. Yes, great. God bless you and your family with that.
1: Thank you. All of our viewers as well.
0: So every every one of them.
1: Yep. Uh, well, if, father, uh, any um, prayer requests tonight?
0: Yes, please uh, pray for the repose of the soul of Margaret Kennett. Margaret passed away a few days ago, uh, and uh, she leaves a, a son, uh, Albert Daniel, and please pray for him well as well. You know, he lost his father uh, some years ago, and now um, uh, his mom, Margaret Kennett, has passed away. I say lost, I mean, in this world, but uh, really, really good people, uh, good souls, love, truly manifested a love for our Lord, fidelity to Him, and uh, we, uh, we have a reason to pray with confidence for their salvation and for the consolation of their son, Albert Daniel, too. So uh, please keep that intention in your prayers. And uh, there are a number of other intentions, too. Well, thousands, <laughs> literally. So uh, but please keep all uh, our good people, especially those on the Immaculate Heart of Mary prayer list, because they are all there in the heart of our Blessed Mother. She remembers all of them, and uh, she will certainly uh, see that all of them are aided. Are As we say, remember, we tell Our Lady this, so we're reminding her, that never was it known that anyone who fled to her protection was left That's unaided. So. That's right. <clears throat>
1: Okay, <laughs> thank you for that. Father, uh, a couple things on the agenda for tonight. We wanted, uh, we kind of just briefly mentioned this last week that we wanted to talk about this uh, so-called Respect for Marriage Act that uh, was recently passed and signed into law just a matter of days ago. And uh, we wanted to get a bit of a Catholic, a traditional Catholic perspective on this, Father. Um, mm-hmm. we, we both read, read through the act. It's, uh, it's not very long, really, only a couple of paragraphs and uh, a couple mm-hmm. of pages long. But um, in this, this so-called Respect for Marriage Act, Father, there are um, some interesting uh, findings that uh, Congress says they have, they have found. They make three points of things that they have found. And uh, essentially um, further solidifying the, uh, the, the belief in perverted marriage. But they, they do uh, at the very end, towards the very end of the act, they uh, say that um, despite everything they've just said, um, about the uh, the rights that these um, perverted unions have, they say that there's no impact on religious liberty or conscience. Um, so, I'll, I'll just just in general, Father, after after reading through this um, some of this language here and this respect for marriage act, what, what what's a traditional Catholic perspective on this?
0: Well, it, it is a lie. Respect for marriage uh, has nothing to do with this. This is a complete disrespect for marriage. Uh, it would be better called Contempt for Marriage Act, um, and uh, it is not only naturalistic. I mean, as opposed to being supernatural, it is not only naturalistic. It is actually anti-naturalistic. It is against nature. <clears throat> they start out in the act. Uh, it's by, by the way, it's Public Law One One Seven Two Two Eight of the Hundred Seventeenth Congress. It was called an act to repeal the Defense of Marriage Act, so it's an act to uh, repeal the Defense of Marriage Act and ensure the respect for state regulation of marriage and for other purposes. So they try to couch this in some sort of uh, you know glowing terms as though they're doing something something really noble here but it's very ignoble. it's interesting you say uh, they they have findings right like the the supreme court found in the constitution a a right to abortion right uh and recently the supreme court uh found that there is no such right in the united states constitution so they find these things they go they go and in search of discovering these things but um You know, it's interesting what they say here as far as their findings. It's sort of like a preamble. Uh, Congress finds the following. One, no union is more profound than marriage, for it embodies the highest ideals of love, fidelity, devotion, sacrifice, and family. Not a bad start, but it goes off the rails after that. Uh, Second, it says diverse beliefs about the role of gender in marriage are held by reasonable and sincere people based on decent and honorable religious or philosophical premises. Therefore, Congress affirms that such people and our diverse beliefs are due proper respect. Well, there, there are actually diverse beliefs as to what constitutes murder, whether you yeah. could have infanticide or not, too. <clears throat> they might say that there are, you know, reasonable and sincere people who, you know, think it's perfectly all right to um, uh, murder, kill, pillage, uh, you know, abuse, um, uh, deadly substances, and so on and so forth. And so we have to write all of their opinions into, into law, right? Because you have to respect everybody's opinion, in this matter. And um, eventually that's where they're going anyway, you know, to absolute breakdown and chaos and, and lawlessness and anarchy. Uh, and this is certainly a step in that direction. They say, three, millions of people, including interracial and same-sex couples, have entered into marriage and have enjoyed the rights and privileges associated with marriage. Couples joining in marriage deserve to have the dignity, stability, and ongoing protection that marriage affords to families and children. Problem is, they keep using the word marriage, but they are about to redefine marriage. They're about to give you a new definition of marriage uh, in the sense respecting state laws, they say are they're, they're actually um, ensuring respect for state regulations. And uh, so they're actually saying, well, ultimately in the, in the next section, that if a state recognizes same-sex unions as marriages, all the states have to accept that and uh, acknowledge the legitimacy of such a union and uh, accord the rights granted by that. So if one state does not accept these things, according to the state law, but another state does, any other state does, even one other state does, all of them must accept and honor that as legitimate marriage. Uh, So the next section, section 2, is a repeal of a section Uh, of the Defense of Marriage Act. Okay, So they're going to repeal that and uh, they go on to section, oh that's section 3, I'm sorry, and section 4 says, full faith and credit given to marriage equality. Um, So they go on and they give us uh, paragraph 1738C certain acts, records and proceedings and the effect thereof. So this is an amendment inserted now, this is inserted to tell you, it's a little convoluted convoluted because it's legalese, but it says in general, no person acting under color of state law may deny, okay, so any state law, anyone acting, you know, under the, as they say, the color of any state law may deny one full faith and credit to any public act, record, or judicial proceedings of any other state pertaining to a marriage between two individuals on the basis of sex, race, ethnicity, or national origin of those individuals. Um, so if, if any state recognizes these unions as marriages, all the other states have to, have to go along with it. And then they say, um, number two here, uh, a right or claim arising from such a marriage on the basis that such marriage would not be recognized under the law of that state on the basis of the sex, race, ethnicity or national origin of those individuals. In other words, this harkens back to what they said. No person acting under cover of state law may deny, may deny, what one, any one state grants them. Um, and then they go on to talk about enforcement by the Attorney General, General of the United States, the federal government. This would be Merrick Garland under the circumstances, right, uh, at the moment. And they say that uh, any person who is harmed by a violation of subsection A may bring a civil action in the appropriate United States District Court against the person who violated such subsection for declaratory and injunctive relief. So, In other words, this would be taken to federal court, right? If anybody claimed I was harmed by this, that my so-called marriage to this other person of the same gender <coughs> Uh, was not acknowledged, was not recognized, was not honored by any in any other state,
1: right?
0: Um, so anyway, it goes on and talks about marriage then, and then it goes on at some uh, uh, some length. But this is where it gets into what you were saying, Tom, right? Talking about the fact that well, this doesn't impact anybody's religious uh, liberty or the, the 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 freedom of conscience that people have. They say nothing in this act or any amendment may, made by this act shall be construed to diminish or abrogate a religious liberty or conscious protection. It's nonsense. How can they uh, grant this right right to, to people saying it's, it's basically their civil right, it's recognized in federal law, and they have recourse in federal courts for any violation of it. How could that not impose itself upon other people in terms of how they treat this. They they set up a contradiction. It is is a contradiction that is definitely going to create trouble. And this is evidently exactly what they're trying to do. There was evidently enough opposition in the Congress that they felt a need to put this language in to reassure people, look, we're not going to require um, you, as a religious body, to well, actually, when you when you further read this statement here about the religious uh, belief and conscience protections, what you see is it's saying that we're not going to force religions to marry such people. We're not going to compel them to um, to actually solemnize. Or celebrate such marriages. Now, it doesn't actually say, though, that if, uh, you know, a religious organization does not, you know, recognize this as a true marriage and does not uh, accept a marriage done in a a certain state, you know, granted, granted in any state of the union as a valid marriage, that anywhere else in the United States of America that if a religious organization were to uh, not accept that, they would not be subject to any kinds of penalties or prosecutions uh, or be sued for damages. It just says they cannot be forced to perform such marriages. That's that's a very narrow, narrow thing there. But it actually says here, consistent with the First Amendment to the Constitution, non-profit religious organizations, including churches, mosques, "...synagogues, temples, non-denominational ministries, interdenominational and ecumenical organizations, mission organizations, faith-based social agencies, religious educational institutions and non-profit entities, whose principal purpose is the study, practice or advancement of religion, and any employee of such an organization shall not be required to provide services, accommodations, advantages facilities goods or privileges for for the solemnization or celebration of a marriage okay any refusal under this subsection to provide such services accommodations advantages facilities goods or privileges shall not create any civil claim or cause of action but again if you're recognizing there's some kind of a civil right to this what does this mean you know how would this be applied in the court? Well, the, the thing is, you are actually setting up a contradiction here, and uh, you're setting up uh, basically some kind of social war, <laughs> warfare over what marriage really is. And you know, this this is not solving a problem. Obviously, it's creating an enormous problem. Um, <clears throat> it goes on and talks about. Uh, the impact also on a religion that does not accept this same gender marriage and says uh, basically that it's not going to affect their tax-exempt status. But again, you know how it is. It's going to be um, become a a matter of saying, well, is this organization principally about you know, preparing or uh, promoting religious principle or is there something else behind it? So um, <clears> that de- one thing it is not is definitely a matter of respecting marriage, quite the contrary. Um, they even have to put a section in the end here saying that no federal there is no federal recognition of polygamous marriages as there were those who warned that uh, the original language here could allow for uh, you know um, polygamy. So they they put that in here um, just saying that no, this is not to be construed as requiring or authorizing federal recognition of marriages between more than two individuals, then they they close by probably giving boilerplate language that if if any uh, amendment made and any part of this amendment is found by the Supreme Court to be unconstitutional, then the rest of the amendment still stands, mm-hmm. right. Um, so, in any case, uh, this is what we're dealing with now in terms of uh, Democrat control of Congress. And they were joined by how many? Uh, how many Republican votes, too? I
1: think around a dozen or so. <laughs> no, about a
0: dozen, maybe a few less, but about a dozen Republicans signed on for this. So um, it's a travesty, obviously, and um, they can expect. There's going to be, there's going to be a lot of trouble that's mm-hmm. going to come from this, uh, and uh, leftists uh, do not um, do not brook opposition to their revolutionary uh, revolutionary plans, so there's going to be I, I'm sure a an avalanche of lawsuits claiming that uh, people have suffered harm because. They were married under the laws of a certain state, which allowed same-gender marriage. And um, the Defense of Marriage Act actually prevented that. The states um, had to acknowledge that there was no such thing. Now, this is taking that away and telling the states, look, you can make laws the way you want, and uh, even if one state of the union... Uh, decides to recognize and and to uh, uh, legalize same gender marriage all the states have to have to honor that mm-hmm. and if uh, if if they don't if individuals even in those states don't honor that then they will be subject to um, well prosecution in
1: federal court mm-hmm. you know so, uh, father and in, in, uh, in reading through this I, I thought that um, this this might be a, just a a perfect illustration of, of some of the, the problems with modern philosophy, where we just have uh, subjectivism and relativism, and there's no such thing as objective truth. Uh, but we get to make up our own truth. Uh, we we can we can define uh, words, terms, institutions, however we want them to be defined at, at any at any given moment. Uh, there's there's no <laughs> no concept, no grasp whatsoever of any kind of. Um, objective truth and that, that idea I think even by um, possibly by a, a lot of good people ha- have lost the um, the right concept of marriage, the Catholic concept of marriage which is that this this is not a, a human in- institution um, in, the, in the sense that that God himself is the one who joined man and woman together He is the one who set the parameters for this institution and as such we're not able to simply define this um, you know no matter how many so-called reasonable people might might think otherwise, there is still such a thing as objective truth. And yeah. uh, the simple fact is that God himself instituted marriage, and he made it between one man and one woman. And um, you, you just see it... And those who believe that are imperiled. They're imperiled by this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, everything is, is completely backwards from, from what it should be.
0: Uh, it is backwards, uh, upside down, inside out. That's completely... Um, contrary as you say. Mm-hmm. But this gets down to it being not only it's contrary to nature. Unnatural is actually contrary to nature. I mean and it's important uh, that we understand and uphold the dignity and the solemnity and the the sanctity of the marriage bond. I mean here, here we are uh, just having finished Advent uh, with the towering figure of St. John the Baptist who actually was a martyred even though he was not married himself, he was martyred for the sanctity of the marriage house. Um, he denounced Herod for living in open adultery with his brother Philip's wife. And um, for that, he was cast into Herod's dungeon, dungeon and basically um, sentenced to death by the adulterous woman, right, Herodias, who got her dancing daughter to demand the head of John the Baptist on the plate and here we have, also, during the Christmas season, um, we have the example of the Holy Family, too. We have the Feast of the Holy Family. <clears throat> so the idea of marriage and true, um, you know, divine, divinely established marriage, and now, for Christians, those who are validly baptized, the Sacrament of Matrimony is central. Um, it's central to the Church's social doctrine, it is also um, a central matter of our our belief as you say that god himself is the creator and he has set the parameters quote unquote as you i'm quoting you now for what this union is Um, if you go to the book of genesis you've discovered the creation and god created uh, he created male and female joined our first parents adam and eve together with the command uh, to increase multiply fill the earth give life that's the primary essential purpose of the marriage bond. And then God also added to it that Adam and Eve uh, as spouses should care for each other. So as husband and wife they should take care of each other and uh, but the primary essential purpose is that they should give life together and be mother and father. And so uh, you know those who would try to um, change the very nature of this union are going directly contrary to the divine will expressed in creating marriage those who would try to take the primary essential purpose of this union uh, which is giving life and put it on the same level lower it to put it on the same level with the secondary essential purpose of the husband and wife caring for each other, their mutual fidelity to each other, <clears throat> would be denaturing and uh, violating the very nature of, of marriage itself. It has two essential purposes. They're both given in sacred scripture. They're both upheard by the Catholic, upheld by the Catholic Church as matters of doctrine, uh, not just kind of uh, social theory of the church. It's a matter of Catholic doctrine. That there are two essential purposes for marriage and one of them is primary and one of them is secondary and you can't invert them you can't even equate them without actually perverting the whole notion of marriage the primary essential purpose is giving life offspring and the secondary essential purpose is the mutual comfort and care that the husband and wife provide for each other Um, you see Um, These days, there is a drive, it's been going on for a long time now, to destroy the very nature of of marriage and God's purposes by trying to equate these two so that you can choose between them. So that somebody could say, well, look, we have a choice to make here of having children or living a happy life together and enjoying each other, uh, caring for each other. If we have to care for children, this detracts from our caring for each other and our having a happy life together. Children are time-consuming, they take a lot of attention, um, they take a lot of money, and uh, we'd rather spend the time and attention and the money on enjoying life together. So we can't have both. We, we have a right to choose. If you acknowledge that one of them is primary and one of them is secondary, you don't have a right to choose. Right? If there's an order established by God, But if you break down that order of Sahasri God and deny it, that gives you the right to choose if you can't have both. And so what people are doing is, and what they've done with birth control and and so on, is saying, well, we we choose to have a happy life together, caring for each other. That means we're going to uh, have a married life without children who detract from our marital bliss. But of course, our marital bliss requires that we still continue to have marital relations with each other. We can't give that up. So we have to have marital relations with each other so we can enjoy life together, but we have to have marital relations so that we can't have children. So obviously then we have to use birth control to prevent children from being conceived. And that's The mentality of it all is very selfish. You have people who are validly married, a man and woman married legitimately to each other, right? Um, who are reaching for the birth control and subverting their own marriage vows, And they don't seem to realize the significance of what they're doing. And You, you tell them, look, do you realize what you're, you're saying? Okay, you consider yourself a social conservative. You know, you consider yourself supportive of all the conservative causes, you're anti-abortion and pro-private enterprise and all the rest, you know. And yet you are using birth control to avoid having children. So you can just have a nice comfortable life together and avoid the responsibilities of childbearing and childrearing, um, which you say threatens your happy life together. But don't you understand that in doing that, you're doing exactly what the homosexuals are doing. You may be against this Respect for Marriage Act, as it's called. You may be against that. And say, I don't believe in homosexual marriage. (laughs) And yet you are using birth control. And what you're saying essentially is the same thing as what the homosexuals are saying. This is not about giving life. This is about our having fun and enjoying life together. And we can choose between the two. I mean, read the beginning of this, uh, what the findings of Congress, right, about the millions of people who are enjoying life together, and we have to respect that they're enjoying life together, as though that's the essential thing, right? Does it even talk about, uh, you know, it it talks about uh, the rights and privileges associated with marriage. I don't see anywhere about having children (laughs) in this findings of uh, Congress, right? And uh, it's all about people um, getting, quote-unquote, married so they can enjoy life together. Yeah. This is a perversion of marriage as God himself created it. And those who believe in marriage as God himself created it are, are actually targeted by this and uh, facing potential prosecution for denying the so-called civil rights granted even in other, other states. Is it, well, the federal government imposes now on everyone, wherever they live, in the United States, any of the states of America. The, uh, not only that, um, I mean, not only do people who are using artificial birth control um, to avoid giving life, because they, they want to en- enhance their marriage experience together um, and live the good life together, um, without the responsibilities of, you know, having and rearing children. children. Not only are they saying essentially the same thing, that we choose the primary essential purpose of our union, is that we live a happy life together and have the things we want, have the time we want, the money we want, the goods we want, without having to expend those things on on children or more children. Um, saying the same things exactly that the homosexuals say, that this is not essentially about giving life. But look at all of the other, well, you don't. I wouldn't advise you to look at all the other perversions, but all the other perversions that are involved in this, they all say that same thing. They all come down to that same point. This is about <laughs> us having fun and enjoying life. And this is the most important thing, and the, uh, the most important purpose of marriage, yeah. as far as they're concerned. And so I, I just you know admonish people who, who think that they can use artificial birth control, avoid uh, giving life to children uh, for selfish reasons, and uh, you know stoop to using um, man-made devices to, to prevent that. They're perverting the very the very nature of marriage as it was established by God.
1: Mm-hmm. Father, I, I could be wrong, but it seems that uh, modern society has gone even one step further than that, and they don't really even recognize the secondary essential purpose of marriage <laughs> the support and uh, comfort of, of the spouses for each other because it seems now, the at least with modern society and, I don't know, the majority of marriages, many marriages at least, so-called marriages, it seems the primary essential and exclusive purpose of that so-called marriage is self-gratification. Mm-hmm. And I think if if modern society even recognized the secondary essential purpose of marriage, I think that would be a massive step in the right direction, because I think now you see so many um, abusive relationships yeah. and, and divorces um, certainly not conducive to the mutual support yeah. and care and comfort. Well, of um, the,
0: that's, a, that's a very, very good point, and very well stated, too. That's a very, very important part. You're absolutely right. And you can see why denying the first, the primary essential purpose, in favor of the second, well, the same people who deny the primary are going to deny the secondary, right? They're just going to deny God's purpose altogether. And you're right, it comes down to sheer selfishness. They're seeking their own gratification, saying, take care of me and my needs. And when you no longer take care of me and my needs, I find somebody else who will. You're absolutely right. Uh, this is a necessary consequence of denying the uh, the primary essential purpose, the secondary essential purpose is going to go to. Yeah. And what do you have? That. <laughs> Chaos. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, I'm glad you said that because it is absolutely true.
1: Okay. Well, Father, um, a couple other things we wanted to, uh, to touch on, get our, our daily dose of Francis. Um, there was uh there was an interview um I guess in the uh in the Jesuit uh publication where um Fran- this is the uh the interviewer asked Fran- asked Francis this question um i read it here the interviewer said to Francis quote in the United States there are those who interpret your criticisms of, of market capitalism as criticisms of the United States there are even some who think you may be a socialist, or they call you a communist, or they call you a Marxist, end quote. And uh, to read Francis's answer to that, he said, if, quote, if I see the gospel in a sociological way only, yes, I am a communist, and so too is Jesus. Behind these Beatitudes in Matthew 25, there is a message that is Jesus' own, and that is to be Christian. The communists stole some of our Christian values. Mm -hmm. Uh, What did you think when reading that, Father Francis, saying that he is a communist, so too is Jesus, and he also says the communists stole some of our Christian values? Mm -hmm. What do you think of that?
0: If he says that uh, if I see the gospel in a sociological way only, then yes, I am a communist, and so is Jesus is that he what he's saying explicitly here is that the sociological teaching of the gospel under itself taken under itself is communism <clears throat> and if you accept the sociological teaching as it is in the gospel then you would be a communist and our lord himself would be a communist and this is a blasphemy it shows a complete lack of understanding of christianity right Total lack of understanding of the gospel. Total lack of understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ and his teaching. Um, Look, communism denies the existence of a right, a God-given right to the ownership of private property. This is fundamental to communist orthodoxy. It denies the right to own property. For the individual... to own, control, use, dispose of, etc., private property. <clears throat> if this is what communists, if this is what Francis sees as the sociological teaching of the gospel, he's either never read the gospel, or having read it, he, he completely ignores what it says and, and interprets it in his own personal twisted way. <clears throat> and whether this is due to um, an incapacity on his part to understand logical and rational thinking <clears throat> or whether it is due to some ideological bias on his part. I don't know. But There's something wrong. There's something wrong with him. Uh, if he believes that the sociological, the social teaching of the gospel is communism and this is what Jesus taught I don't know how else you could understand what he says here If I see the gospel in a sociological way only, yes, I am a communist and so too is Jesus, and what he says after that, as you say, behind these Beatitudes and Matthew 25 there is message that is Jesus's own message, so this is the distinctive threat, that Jesus brought some of distinctive twist to what is sociological communism and that is to be Christian he doesn't define what that is he says the Communists stole some of our Christian values, okay? But he has said in other places at other times that the Communists understand the essential point of the Gospel and that is the, the primary concern for the poor. They understand that and that is Christian. So, you know, he uses the word stole here, but basically he's saying that the Communists actually are, the, are actually applying our Christian values. Um, this harmonizes perfectly with his promotion of socialist communist causes everywhere his chumming so freely and and and, and, uh, and joy joyously and supportively with communist dictators and socialist demagogues around the world yet um, har- I mean look at his visit with uh, Raul Castro in Morales right Um you know, out-and-out communists, right? And Francis is very comfortable with them. He, he doesn't express any, any qualms about what they're doing. He even holds them up as examples. I think the most egregious uh, uh, instance of this is when his own, um, his own Monsignor Sanchez Sarando uh, said in 2018, actually I have that here, uh, when, when this this is a very significant statement by a man who is the chancellor of the Pontifical Academy of Sciences, and he returned from a trip to Beijing, Monsignor Sanchez Sarando, in the in the year two thousand eighteen. And That's what he said. Right now, those who are best implementing the social doctrine of the Church are the Chinese. We're talking about Communist China. We're talking about the Communist Party of China. Um, In an interview published in the February 2nd, 2018, Spanish edition of Vatican Insider, the Argentine bishop lists all the wonders that he noted on his last trip to China. They hold the common good above all else. Everything else comes second to the common good. Okay, well the collective in any communist society takes precedence over any human life, or any human rights. He says, I met an extraordinary China. What people don't realize is that the central value of China is work, work, work. There's no other way, fundamentally. It is like St. Paul said, he who doesn't work, doesn't eat. So he's actually comparing this with the teaching of St. Paul, but remember, the communists believe in the worker's paradise. And everyone works, 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 and you're all working for the collective. You do not have towns, he says. You do not have drugs. Young people do not take drugs in China, of course. <clears throat> Instead, there is a positive national conscience, a collective conscience. Marxism, right? The collective, again. Beijing is defending the dignity of the person. He even, in the year 2017, defended Beijing, meaning again the Communist Party of China, against accusations of organ harvesting. He defended them for this. I mean, this man is incredibly uh, perverted in his thinking in terms of what Catholic social doctrine is. He even went so far as to say this. This is in 2018. Now, this is Francis's man appointed, right, to be the chancellor of this pontifical academy, the economy does not dominate politics. This is in communist China. As happens in the United States, as the Americans themselves say, how is it possible for oil multinationals to influence Donald Trump? Knowing that all this hurts the earth, as the encyclical and scientists say, Liberal thought has dismissed the concept of the common good, he says. It does not even want want to take it into account. It states that it is an empty idea without any benefits. On the contrary, the Chinese know they propose work and the common good. The impression is that China is evolving very well. They asked me about relations between China and the Vatican. I replied... That right now there are no formalities because we do not have ambassadors or nuncios. Remember now, since then, of course, uh, thanks to you know the pedophile Theodore McCarrick and his efforts there, and no doubt people like Harlan and and this uh, Suranden. Now they, they do have the Vatican uh, concordat with the uh, with the communist Chinese. He says, but there are many points of agreement between the Vatican and. Communist China. The world is dynamic and evolving. You cannot think that today's China is the China of the days of John Paul II or Russia of the Cold War. Now, the, the important thing to, to keep in mind here is that, you know, Francis' mentality here goes along perfectly with his way of thinking. If he sees that the sociological teaching without that sort of Christian twist given to it by our Lord, by the gospel, if he sees that that really is what the gospel teaches sociologically, then yeah, Communist China would be the primary uh, example of of so-called Francis's concept of Catholic social teaching. Makes perfect sense. And uh, this coincides perfectly also with what we're reading uh, more and more that the... um, the uh, World Economic Forum and all of these leftists see China as the model for the rest of the world. They want, to, they want the rest of mankind to follow the model provided by communist China. They want to impose that social model here in the United States and everywhere in the world. And Francis would be absolutely in favor of it. Uh, his Laudato Si, I mean, they, they, they appraise... Uh, um, this this idea of Francis Laudato si fitting in perfectly well with this idea that the individual and this is something that Francis also speaks about, the, the individual and individualism have to give way to the collective and what he consistently refers to as the common good. Understood by that, the Marxist concept of the collective. Right? So, when Francis says that he looks at the Gospel, if he looks at it only in a sociological way, it's social teaching, then yes, he is a communist. And he even accuses uh, the Son of God incarnate as being a communist too. This man, I mean, that's blasphemous. I I think there's no other way to call it an heresy, right? And um, I, I can't understand... How people can, can fail to, to be horrified uh, by what he says and what he does. Because he follows through on this. And he appoints people, positions, under him uh, who think the way he does. And to, not only sociologically, in terms of um, communism and socialism, <clears throat> but also in terms of uh, their morality or immorality. He's constantly putting people in position who uh, are what they call LGBT friendly. He will never appoint anyone who's not. Yeah. You know, th- There's not an example of a single individual he's appointed to any position of authority in the no- new order who is not entirely on board with the LGBTQIA plus uh, social social program. This is what he's doing. Uh, this is what he's, the mentality he's bringing in, and unfortunately those who are following the, the new order, no matter how conservative they may consider themselves, they're actually empowering all of this. And they are, they are enabling Francis to pursue this, this, this uh, anti-God agenda here. So, yeah. so we have to uh, You know, I keep saying it over and over again, and I I will say it over and over again. People have to stop promoting the novus ordo, stop participating in it, and they have to return to the traditional Catholic practices, the mass, the sacraments, the entire Catholic faith. uh, As um, uh, Father, uh, you know, Charles. Uh Mer- 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 says, you know, they have to get the traditional Catholic catechisms and, and learn the faith. Because yeah. they're not going to necessarily be taught that. You know, they have to go and find it for themselves in the traditional catechisms. Yeah. And find their way back to the traditional mass offered by a true traditional priest who is constantly ordinate, ordained by a true traditional Catholic bishop. Uh, otherwise they are they are a part of this. They are supporting this. If they're not opposing it, they're supporting it. <laughs> So the Lord said, if you're not with me, be against me. And this is not being with him. He any means.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> anyway, uh, Tom, one thing that uh, Francis did come out with recently, and I hate to make, I don't want the whole program about Francis, because it, it, it has to be about our Lord, especially during this time. <clears throat> but, you know, Francis talks about the Beatitudes. He mentions Matthew 25. But he understands the Beatitudes, St. Matthew chapter 5. He understands our Lord's statement about the judgment, you know, if, when I was hungry, you gave me to eat, when I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. In terms of the last judgment in St. Matthew 25, Francis understands that in a very naturalistic way. This is what he singles out as sites as the sociological right? teaching of the church and uh, with, with a certain Christian twist to it, to it right? Um but uh, Francis recently has given 15 tips to be happiness, 15 tips to happiness. Now what would you expect from a vicar of Christ on earth, right to advise people to be happy, How to be happy? Well, perhaps uh, we could read through them and, and find inspiration. Uh, for you know if people i mean everybody wants to be happy right we're all seeking happiness right we're all seeking happiness here and francis will tell us how to find happiness <clears throat> the first thing he says he advises us to do is read inside yourself find your happiness inside yourself what does that mean very deep mean, <laughs> what are you looking for your own God inside yourself, yeah. right? Be your own God. What are the implications of that? He says that our life is the most precious book that has been given to us. All of this airy sort of, you know, uh, uh, metaphor and, and so on. Uh, it is in the pages of our lives that we find truth and happiness. That's where we find. It. Okay. Um, he, even, he he supposedly cites Saint Augustine to support him has nothing to do with what he says here. And so, first, we're to read inside ourselves. Secondly, he says, if you want to be happy, remember that you are unique. Okay? And the third step is bring out your beauty. Okay? Got that? Are you with me? Yes. Are you getting happier? Okay? As you read through these, you should be getting happier and happier. Number four is learn to laugh at yourself. Okay. And fifthly, live a healthy restlessness. Okay. So you read inside yourself, but you're not content there. You have to be restless. Okay, Just a healthy rest. Right, as he, as he tells the youth in uh, Rio, um, make a mess of the church. Okay. So you've got to be restless here. And number six, you've got to learn to apologize. Okay. It's funny, I, you know, I don't, I don't hear him apologizing. Except for the church and all the bad things the yeah. church has done. But I never hear Francis... Uh, I don't recall him ever having to ever apologize for anything. Uh, maybe he's still learning to be happy. And number seven, learn, learn to read your sadness. Okay? Um, uh, have big dreams. That's number eight, right? Number nine is don't listen to those who sell illusions. I think uh, we would all agree on that and uh, agree that Francis is the biggest seller of revolutions there is, completely on board with the leftist propaganda program. Ten, be revolutionary. Go against the tide. If you want to be happy, be a revolutionary. Go against the tide. <clears throat> he doesn't even indicate what the tide is. You know, the tide is always bad. Go against the tide and you will be happy. This is the, actually the Marxist program. Um, Go against everything. Resist everything. Be a revolutionary. Don't accept the status quo. Even Marx, of course, goes so far as to say, violence, violence, violence is the key. Tear down everything. Francis thinks like a a Marxist. Number 11, take risks. Even if you end up being wrong, take risks anyway. Who's to say you're wrong? Right? Uh, Walk with others. Um, okay. Uh, live gratuity, uh, is number 13. Number 14, look beyond the darkness, and number 15, remember that you are destined for the best. Now, the remarkable thing about all these is that there's absolutely nothing supernatural, this is all just absolute naturalism. It's psychological advice. It could be Norman Vincent Peale talking to you. It could be the Dalai Lama. Even the Dalai Lama could give you perhaps better spiritual advice than any of this. I don't know. But one thing's for sure. You don't have to be a Catholic. You don't have to be a Christian. You don't even have to be a theist. right? You don't even have to believe in God to... Uh, Give this advice. Uh, or try to follow it. To say that these are the tips to be happy. I mean, this is so pathetic that uh, that you have someone who, who styles himself and is thought to be a, a you know the a vicar of Christ on earth giving this. Is this what Christ gave uh, us the papacy for? Is this? what Christ gave to Peter to, to be? Is this the voice of Peter? No, no, you know? So, um, look, we are at a time of the, of the church here when we realize where true happiness is to be found. And uh, we find that in faith and hope and charity, in other words, our belief in God's love for us in sending a savior us, a fallen world, a sinful world. God has sent a Savior. God has not only only sent a Savior, he has actually come as our Savior. He's come to this earth and taken our human nature to himself and um, shared our nature, the, the nature that he created for us. He took upon himself. And he did it in such a way, and for such a purpose, that he could actually offer himself in sacrifice for the redemption of all of us sinners. That's astounding. It's absolutely amazing. It's it's a, uh, to to ponder that 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 divine um, love, that divine wisdom, that God would um, undertake this this. Mesh, uh, mission of redemption and salvation, um, that he would come into the world as our Savior and our sacrifice. I mean, where else would you go for any, to eke out any, any miserable measure of happiness in this life, um, except to this God and his love? And he, you know, as the saying goes, he held out his arms. Um, The the, the expression "Do you love me, Lord?" I cried. "This much," he said, and opened up his arm, wide his arms upon the cross, and died. uh, Expresses very beautifully. Um, Where else would you go to find genuine happiness than there in the manger to find uh, your God come to you in this way as a little child, God and man? Um, You know, you just don't you don't see that supernatural message in the, uh, in the modernist message here. It's all naturalistic. It's basically make yourself happy, find your own happiness, but find it in yourself. <laughs> well, that was the message of Lucifer in the garden to Eve, really. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Tom, I, I know you always ask uh, about uh, positive messages <laughs> and there you, there you have it, right there. We're mm-hmm. still within the twelve days of Christmas, right now, right now, yep. and so uh, we know where we have to go to yep. find uh, the happiness that only God can give.
1: That's yeah. right. Something else positive, Father, is that we are uh, about uh, about to head over to the uh, church to pray a holy hour. Yes, indeed. Running the blessed sacrament there, so um. It's, if we'd, anyone better, is,
0: we'd better make haste yeah. <laughs> like the shepherds
1: to the manger, right? <laughs> yes, Father. So if anyone would like to uh, join us for that, they can do so on the wcbohio.com website mm. and watch the live stream there. But Absolutely. Father, thanks for being here tonight. God bless you. Merry Christmas. So, Thank you, Tim. Yep.
0: God bless uh, you and
1: all of our all of our viewers, too. And yep. Blessed Christmas and coming year. Yep. Thanks to all of our viewers for watching this episode of What the Catholics Believe.